You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. I'm taking my time setting up up here because there are communion elements up here. And I have a track record of re-spilling the blood of Christ. He's spilled it once. I've spilled it maybe four more additional times. On my hands, I've led communion. It's spilled, and I'm like trying to lead communion. I'm like flicking the juice off of my hand as I'm doing it, which is not a sacred act. I'll tell you that. It has nothing to do with anything. So I want to make sure that nothing spills. I wouldn't be surprised if it does. Then you're going to have a soggy communion to work with uh, Thor. So we'll try not to do that. Are you all well? Are you good? I sound like the tone of my voice is higher than normal. It's because I am coming over a cold, uh, just on the tail end of it, although I still have all just that nasty effect. How many of you all have already dealt with and worked through a cold this season? Healthiest people in Pittsburgh right here. All right. (laughs) My wife gave it to me, or Donnie. Donnie was sick for a long time. Pastor Donnie, our youth pastor. Convinced, fully convinced. Are you fully convinced? Well, you're like, oh, fully convinced of what? Well, when you read the scriptures, there's a lot in the scriptures, and then there's culture, and there are others who speak a lot against, for instance, the supernatural, the amazing. When you read in the scriptures, even in the book of Mark, where we've been focusing as a church, you see God as man, Jesus, which in himself is a miracle, miraculous, confusing, mysterious kind of existence for Jesus, fully God, fully man. So much so that over the course of all these centuries and millennia, people have been like, no, that can't, he wasn't fully God, he wasn't fully man. It just brings a lot of confusion into the picture. Or you've got Jesus who are healing, who is healing people, doing miraculous, amazing things. And so many over the courses of centuries or even in our own lives, people say, no, that can't happen. That's just a bunch of superstition, mere mere fairy tale. And confusion enters the picture. picture. And I believe that we need to become fully convinced to experience a real move of God. And when we experience God time and time again, you begin to become convinced convinced that the amazing is ordinary. And that's how I've actually titled this message here this morning. And I'm really passionate. I've been sick all week, but I've been like, Holy Spirit, I need you to kick that sickness out of my body for about two hours that I'm at church because I got a word that I'm really excited. God's got a word this morning. And amazing is ordinary. Are you convinced that the amazing is ordinary? Now, don't be confused by my word ordinary. I do not mean by using the word ordinary, inconsequential, nor insignificant. What I mean by ordinary is commonplace or normal. Amazing is normal. It's commonplace. It's ordinary. Have you come to find that in your life when walking with God? If you have a relationship with God, have you found that the amazing is common, is normal? I have. It's a beautiful thing, and I want that for people. I want people's experiences of God to be amazing and so normal that it's just ordinary. It's commonplace. The amazing is ordinary. In 2014, I had an aha moment with a team from our church, a student ministry team going to the country of Haiti, which is just, you know, south of Florida, 
basically, on the same island as the Dominican Republic, and just saw amazing things happening in this country because of what God had mobilized people to do. Children were being fed meals that they would not otherwise have. They were being clothed and taken care of, given shelter when they otherwise would not. They were being delivered a message in receiving this gospel good news of God in the midst of a culture where at night you can stand on the lake's edge and hear the voodoo drums banging from across the waters. And yet in the midst of even the voodoo drums, boom, boom, ba boom, 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 these people are experiencing the life-changing power of God. I, because of God, was able to sit in a room with students who are hand over and around children who are of a completely different culture who have historically been through so much, and yet we are family because of Christ. You want to talk about amazing? It's amazing. And I remember this moment where our team was together, and we were in this little, like, garage, for lack of better term. It's like a big tent and Pastor Donnie was there, and he asked this question. Do you remember this, Donnie? Do you remember this moment? Asked this question, what stood out to you? This is what you do at mission trips. You know, you have these awesome, amazing experiences. And then you ask the question, what stood out to you? What's impactful to you? And everyone had really good answers and just awesome to see what God's doing. And then I just had this aha moment, and I had said and shared to the team, i got to be honest, I just feel like this is ordinary. I feel like... I am experiencing all the stuff that I always experiences, experience. I just am in a different place. We're just in a different place. It was an aha moment. That was a great moment to realize that something so amazing as what we were experiencing in Haiti and what God was doing, it's just ordinary. It's just awesome. I mean, when amazing is ordinary, come on, that's pretty good, right? Or let me give you another example of how amazing is just ordinary. This one I'm really excited about. Just a couple of months ago, a few months ago, a student had entered into Nexus Student Ministry. It was just a normal, or what we might call ordinary Sunday night at Nexus Student Ministry where this student came in very first time. We had no idea who the student was, just showed up, came in. And uh, halfway through the message, you know, we, we have worship and then we break off into small groups and then we come and, and there's a message. And about halfway through the message, this student just disappeared. Come to find out later, he was in the bathroom just crying his eyes out because God was doing something significant in his life and never said a word to anyone about it. We found this out later after the fact. Well, he had left Nexus that night and disappeared for months. Hadn't heard from him. Come to find out later that he was taking care of some real significant issues and health things in his life within those three months. And he returned back to Nexus and we're like, hey, where were you? And he registered for winter retreat and he came to winter retreat and he was among one of the 13 who were baptized. And then, keep going, good. And then he got together with Pastor Donnie and Pastor Josh Hall at a uh, juice bar in Oakmont with his parents just telling of this awesome experience that he has had with God and how it changed his life. And now his parents are like, we got to get to church. The thing is, it's amazing, but it's ordinary. It's common. It's normal with God, the amazing. And I love that about God. 
With Jesus, the amazing is ordinary. Are you convinced that the amazing can be your ordinary experience? With Jesus, the amazing is ordinary. And so the question becomes, how do we become convinced that the amazing can be ordinary? Do you know that God wants to do something amazing in your midst? God wants to do something awesome. He wants you to be a part of something amazing. That's what God wants for your life. That's what he wants for his followers' lives. And so how can we experience the amazing as ordinary? That was the question that we must answer here this morning. And in Mark chapter five, we get some really good pictures of Jesus doing some awesome things and people interacting with Jesus in such a way that we can get to this answer of how can we experience the amazing as ordinary in Mark chapter five. In the beginning of Mark chapter five, Jesus, I would encourage you to read it. I always encourage you to read the scriptures. God had healed this demon-possessed man, really kind of crazy, awesome, amazing event recorded in history. And after this miraculous event of healing this demon-possessed man, he crosses this lake where he is surrounded by a crowd of people. And that's where we pick up in Mark chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. Now, this is a scripture that maybe you would come across in your daily reading and be like, okay, that's interesting. But then I was just consumed with this just man, Jairus, who came up to Jesus and he fell at his feet and he pleaded earnestly, looking to Jesus, if you just place your hands, your hands on my daughter, she will be healed and live. In this event, it begged the question that I believe we must ask ourselves, where is God and where am I? Where is God and where am I? If we want the amazing to be our ordinary experience, when we want to experience God, we got to ask the question, where is God and where am I? And when you look at Jairus, I think it's such a beautiful picture of where we ought to be and where Jesus ought to be in our lives. Where is God? Where am I? Jairus is physically down, humbled himself down, laying down before Jesus, recognizing who Jesus is and who he is. Who is this Jesus? He's healer. He is almighty. He is powerful. He is not some mere other person with another opinion. There's something unique about this Jesus. He holds a healing power. You place your hands on my daughter, she will be healed. He had an understanding of who this Jesus really was. And he had an understanding of who he was, Jairus, and he physically lowered himself when he looked to Jesus, who was so clearly above The amazing is ordinary when God is above and we are below. How often do we overestimate our own direction, our own opinion, our own ability, our own ways? And so often our own ways, our own ability, our own confidence, our own pride gets in the way of experiencing the amazing that God would have for our lives. It takes a real humility 
to experience the amazing, to come before God and recognize him as he really is. Do you recognize that God is above? He is above all other people. He is all powerful. He is all knowing. Do you recognize that God is the one with all the answers? Do you recognize that he is the one singularly who leads to life and life eternal, life in this life, but then life eternal? Have we gotten to this place of humility where we're able to lower ourselves in the midst of the confusion and the difficulty that we experience our lives and look toward a God who is so far above? Do we recognize that there is a God who is above Do we put him in that supreme place in our lives that when we face trouble, when we face difficulty, we go running first and foremost to Jesus because why he is above? The amazing is ordinary. You experience the amazing in your life when God is seated at the above place. The supreme place. The ruling place. When he is recognized as being the one, the healer, the all-powerful, the answerer, the one with the direction, the one who leads to life. I find that also our capacity as people to not only experience the amazing as ordinary when we place ourselves below and make sure that God is above, I find that we as people increase our capacity to help others in our lives when we recognize that God is the one who is above And we are below. I think we have well intentions as people to go rushing in and to help other people. But how often do we set ourselves up as God in people's lives? Only to find ourselves being drained continually. Why am I not able to? I just can't fix this person. I can't. I'm trying. I'm moving. I'm working. I'm trying to do so much. And anxiety and stress enters your life and You're not being a help to this person. You're not being a help to yourself. It's because you have placed yourself as God in someone else's life. Instead, our capacity increases exponentially when we recognize that God is above and that we are below. And when we ferry people to God, then our capacity is almost unlimited because there's a God who has a capacity that is unlimited, whose well never runs dry. He is the one who is above. He is the one with the answers. He is the one with the life-changing power. Now, hear me out here. This can easily become an excuse not to get involved with people's lives. That's not what I'm saying here this morning. But what I'm saying is we stay tethered to a God who is above and recognize our own limitations, recognize when God is above. And I really believe that we underestimate the power of prayer. When we connect people to God, are we praying? Are we interceding for people and their needs? Because there is a God who is all-powerful. There is a God who is above. There is a God who has invited us to speak on behalf of others that they might experience the amazing. You find your own capacity increased. You find your experience of the amazing in your life increases when God is above. And we are below? Are we convinced Jesus is at the top? The answerer, the healer, the source of restoration, we experience the amazing as ordinary and help others experience the amazing as ordinary when we run to him as the one who is above. Jairus, the synagogue leader, down, humbled himself below. God, you are the healer. If you just place your hands on my daughter, then she will be healed. The scripture goes on to say, so Jesus 
went with him. And then Mark chapter five, verses 24 through 34, you have this event where Jesus is following Jairus, going to the place where his ill daughter is, his sick daughter is, who needs to be healed. And a crowd is amassing, swarming Jesus. And among that crowd, I love that this is placed within the scriptures. There is a woman who had been suffering for 12 years, a medical condition of hemorrhaging. And the scripture goes into detail to describe this woman who is among the crowd as being in a really desperate place because she had for 12 years spent all of her money, sought out doctors and help and had found herself in her medical condition without an answer. But she had recognized that there was this Jesus who was what? Above. And she had gotten to this place of understanding that in the midst of the crowd, given her own medical condition, if I could only just touch the hem of his garment, I believe that I will experience the amazing, the healing that only this man can give. He is so far above. She was convinced. She was convinced that Jesus held the healing power to heal her where no one else could, where all her resources led her to a dead end. Have you ever experienced this in your life? If I can only just touch the hem of his cloak, then I will experience healing. And so she had worked her way through the crowd. I don't know how you picture it. I picture her almost crawling in the midst of the swarms of people. Maybe because I have like Christian depictions in my head, art, you know, coming out. And she touches the hem of his cloak and immediately she is healed. She feels immediately the hemorrhaging stop. She feels a cleansing, a healing in her body. Amazing. And Jesus felt the healing power leave his body. And I love this moment recorded in the scriptures because he says in the midst of all who are coming around him, swarming him, grabbing at him, the healer, the amazing man, the all-powerful one who is what? Above. He asks the question, who touched me? And the disciples got like weird. This is like one of the times that you look at the disciples, they're like, yo, take it easy a little bit here. Yeah, relax. Because they're like, uh, I picture them having an attitude. Uh, Jesus, hello. There's like a lot of people. Maybe they were tired. Maybe they were hangry. I don't know what they were. Like, Jesus, are you crazy? Look at all these people who are t- around you. Why? What are you talking about? Well, who do you mean who touched you? There's like a million people here touching you. You're like the most popular person in town. Who touched me? He's looking around. He's scanning and he meets, scanning those around him. And he meets this woman. And she like confesses to him, I touched you, that was me, you know. And Jesus set the story straight here because there was a common superstition of the time that if you touch the cloak and garments of these religious people, you will experience a power. And Jesus wanted to clear the picture and I'm glad that he did because if it was about that cloak that Jesus was wearing, it would have little to no merit for us today. Why? Because Jesus is no longer here, Amen. Jesus has risen from the dead. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. You and me, we aren't touching the cloak, physical cloak of Jesus here today. So if it was about that cloak that he was wearing, you can't go to Boscov's, you can't go to, you know, Sears and get this cloak. You, you know, we're out of luck if it's the cloak. But Jesus goes on to correct this woman and say, 
In Mark chapter five, verse 34, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I find this to be good news here this morning because the cloak is something that's not for us today, but faith is something for you and for me today and experiencing the life-changing power, the amazing that only God can provide. So the question then becomes, what makes her faith different? What made her faith different? There were a lot of people around her. What made her faith different? I believe she was fully convinced. She was fully convinced This God was above, she was below, fully convinced that he was healer, that he was the one who was all-powerful, that he was God, that he was the one who could heal her when no one else could. She was convinced in her faith, you have to hear me out here this morning, aligned with God's will. And she experienced a healing. That was a reminder for us here this morning in light some 2,000 years later that the amazing is ordinary when we reach and when we remain. The amazing is ordinary when we reach and when we remain. What do I mean by reach and remain? There's real significant issue and problem in people's lives and experiencing the amazing that God has for them when all they do is reach, but they never remain. There's also significant significant difficulty in missing out in the amazing that God has for people's life when they simply remain, but they don't reach. You're like, I get it. Now, what does that mean? I don't understand what you're saying. This isn't in the scriptures. This isn't in the text. I don't know what you're talking about, reaching and remain. What I mean by reach and what I mean by remain is we have to seek God as healer when all the diagnosis come. When the situation seems so bleak, when experience seems to prove that nothing more can be done, it is there that we need to realize that we in the natural world are below, but God is above, that he is healer. He changes the most desperate of people's lives, people who everyone would say, no, there's no hope for them. That's as far as they'll go. You'll never be able to break that addiction. You'll never be able to seek and experience a restoration with your family and your loved ones. It's over. There's no hope. It is there that we need to reach and reach out to God and say, no, but God, you are above. You are the healer. You are the one who leads to life. You are the one who leads to hope. I'm looking to you. I have faith in you. Would you heal me? Would you give me direction? Would you restore this relationship? Will you break this addiction? I can't do it on my own. We need to reach, 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 reach up, reach higher, pray bigger prayers, expect more from God, hope, have faith that God can see it through. But in the same breath, we must remain confident in the will of God that he is in control. And what we might see as a healing or when we might see as answered prayer, the thing we need most, that might be the very thing that we need least in our lives. How many of us have already experienced this truth? How many of us have already lived enough life to look back and say, man, am I glad God didn't answer that prayer? Especially in high school when you broke up with your first girlfriend or boyfriend, you thought you were marrying her? What? If you're in high school, not being insensitive, I'm just being honest, you'll be all right. You know, it's really difficult to remain sometimes. 
when you're going through suffering. When it seems like this is, I see a God who's healing and caring and crying for people, and yet here I am praying and trusting and reaching, and yet I find myself in my same condition, my same trial. Let us not forsake the words of God in James 1, 2 through 4. This is one you have to commit to memory, one that I quote often because it just needs to be a part of us. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be complete and mature, not lacking anything. That God is still in control He is sovereign, is what all in control means. He is still all-powerful, meaning omnipotent. He knows what you are going through because he is omniscient. You have to remain steady and steadfast that God's ways are higher and stay secure in the fact that as God is in charge, as God is above, he has the best in store for me, even if that means just putting one foot in front of the other in the midst of this trial. So we reach We reach, God, you're healer. God, I want this miracle. I know this is a part of your DNA. I know you're above. I know you can do this. But yet, as Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane before his own crucifixion, not as I will, but as you will. We must reach and remain if we're going to experience the amazing. I want to give a word of encouragement to someone here this morning. One of the things that I love about this event recorded in history Remember, Jesus was following Jairus to go take care of his daughter. And then there was this woman in this whole scene that took up Jesus' time. That was an interruption in the midst of his movement and his journey. Do you ever feel like God doesn't have time for you? Do you ever feel like there are much more impressive and pressing issues that should command the attention of God? God's got time for you. God wants to take care of you. God hears your cry. In the midst of all the world's troubles, God does hear your cry. He God, God does see your plight. And this is a God who is willing to step out of his norm and welcome in an interruption. Trust me, you reaching out to God is the interruption he is asking for. He cares about you. You are worth The interruption. So don't think that you are unworthy of God, that God doesn't have time for you. Why? Because as God was following Jairus to take care of his daughter, there was a woman and he was interrupted and he was glad to do it. Be encouraged here this morning, amen? Some of us need to be reminded because life can get real difficult. So many times people speak into our lives. So many negative things, amen? You ever experienced that? That's nothing out of the norm. Because after Jesus had healed this woman, had taken up some time, why? Because it was an interruption. And in Mark 5, 35, it says, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus. So after this whole event of this woman took place, some people came up to Jesus and the synagogue leader and said, your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? You're always going to have people in your life who are like these people. God said and promised he's going to do something. He's, you know and have faith. You recognize him as above and you are below. 
you're on the path with Jesus, and then someone steps in and says, no, 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 why are you bothering with that? There's no hope for you, and this sometimes is external, and sometimes it's internal, isn't it? Why am I even bothering with this amazing thing? Whether it's yourself or in relation to someone else, why even bother? What do you mean you're cleaning up your act? You know you're going to fall right back into it. You know that that addiction, you know that we're still going to go and do. You know. Why are you even bothering? Who are you trying to fool? Who are you trying to play? You know who it is. You know what it is. You just, there's always people in your life who are going to say, why bother? So many voices, culture, in academia. Why even bother with Jesus? You know it's all a fairy tale. You know it's all a hoax your own family, your own spouse. Why are you even bothering going to church? Why are you even bothering trying to make sense of this world? Why are you even bothering trying to follow Jesus? So many people are always going to speak up. Everyone's got an opinion for your life. You ever notice that? God wants to do something amazing in your midst and in your life, and there's always someone who wants to be willingly take you out of it. But I love that Jesus spoke up at this moment. Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Listen to those voices. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about it. Just believe. Just trust me. Just keep following me. Just keep putting one foot after the other. Just believe. You keep following me. Just believe. You stick with me. You'll see. Two competing voices. Why bother? Just believe. Why bother from the people, from God? Just believe. Two competing voices. If we want to experience the amazing as ordinary, we experience the amazing as ordinary. When Jesus' voice becomes the loudest voice. Is Jesus' voice the loudest voice in your life? Is your own voice from inside competing with the voice of Almighty God who is so far above? Are there people or friends in your life? Is there a workplace in your life? Is there common culture in your life that is speaking louder than the voices of Jesus? There's a lot at stake here because God wants to do something amazing. The amazing is ordinary when Jesus' voice becomes the loudest voice. They continue on into the house of Jairus, and I actually love this moment because Jesus, recorded in the scripture, says, oh, what are you talking about? She's asleep. She's asleep. She was dead. She died. He said she's asleep. This bothers us sometimes. Maybe it's like, is Jesus lying? No, it's just that before God, see, death is final in the natural world, but death in the supernatural world in relationship, in proximity to God, it's just like sleep. Why? Because God's going to make new life. Death doesn't have its final word in the realm of God. So when Stephen died in Acts, the first martyr that spread the gospel across the world, after he was stoned to death, the scripture says he fell asleep. Why? Because he's going to come before God and God's going to raise him from the dead. There's not the end for Stephen. There's a resurrection coming his way, foreshadowing. Hello, Mark chapter five, verse 40 through 43. He's before this dead Jairus daughter. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At, the, at this, they were completely astonished. You think? <laughs> Amazing. I'm astonished. <laughs> I 
girl was dead, 12 years old. God had raised her from the dead. Amazing. No one else on this earth can do that. No one else outside of this earth can do that except for God. But there's something unique about this passage, and I don't want to, you know, just quickly jump over the fact that this girl was dead, asleep before Jesus, because he commands death, rose from the dead under the command of Jesus. The end of this is very interesting. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Weird. Can you imagine being there for a moment? This girl was raised from the dead. And at the end of it, Jesus is like, okay, don't tell anyone. Oh yeah, give her something to eat. Okay, if we get like super spiritual about it, we can make a uh, comment that, you know, God, he just, he does, and this is true. God cares about physical need. We ought to feed people. We ought to go into different places and give people food when they don't have it. We have to care about physical need, the physical earth. It's not just an escapist thing, this Christian thing. It's caring about physical needs here on this earth. I mean, that's the real spiritual. But like, you just can't get past, maybe because I'm getting simple. You know, I've been living here in Pittsburgh for a long time. I'm not saying Pittsburghers are simple. I'm just saying... At the end of this miraculous, amazing event, Jesus said, give her something to eat. Give her something to eat. That's so ordinary, isn't it? That's so normal, isn't it? Just raise someone from the dead. Yeah, give her something to eat. Let's go. Just another day in the life of Jesus and those who would follow him, those who would call on him. Yeah, you raise someone from the dead. That's amazing. Yeah, give her something to eat. Yeah, that's ordinary. Here's the takeaway here this morning. The amazing is ordinary with God. I want to invite the worship team to come back up here this morning. I believe more than ever, and don't be distracted. I know people are going to be moving and because people, what's happening? More than ever, our culture is not only not experiencing the amazing as ordinary, but experiencing the amazing as non-existent or impossible. And maybe that's you here this morning. The amazing is non-existent. It's impossible. I understand the scriptures. I understand Mark. I understand your, stand your fairy tale book. But in my life, I know what my experience has proven and God's nowhere near it. I want to push on that just a little bit that you would open your life up to God because there is a God who is far above. We are so below. He loves us so much and he loves you so much that he wants to come into your life and he wants to change the story. He wants to change your experiences day in and day out. God wants to change our minds and our hearts that we would experience the amazing and not just here or there. He wants us to experience the amazing time and time again, so much so that we would give praise and glory to God, but we would also, just in like an awesome way, be like, man, that's just ordinary. So Kanye comes out with an album, Jesus is Lord. What? It's just ordinary. So what? God got a hold of Kanye's life? Am I supposed to be surprised by that? What about your friend's life? What about your own life? You've gone so far down the other way. You don't think that God can come into your life? You've heard this diagnosis. You've seen this world in despair and in dismay. 
God is the author of the amazing. He is all-powerful, and he wants us to experience the amazing. But the point is, the amazing is ordinary with God. And so the question becomes, are you with God? Do you know that Jesus died on a cross that we're about to remember in communion? He died so that you could enter into relationship with him, with God. It took Jesus' death on a cross and resurrection so that we could enter into a relationship with God and experience the supernatural power of heaven. You know that when you have a faith and a trust in God, you enter into relationship with him. The scripture states, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God has raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. You will enter into relationship with God. That can happen from your seat here this morning. You can enter into relationship with God. And it's from that place of relationship that we get to then experience the ordinary. Are you convinced that the amazing is ordinary? God must be above and us below. We must reach and remain. And we must let Jesus' Jesus's voice be the loudest voice. And there, I believe, we will experience the amazing. The amazing, the amazing, the needed, the necessary power of God. Not as inconsequential, not as insignificant, but as normal, everyday, commonplace, ordinary. Let's pray. God, help us. Our culture is desperately in need of experiencing the amazing. Far, far be it from us, God, to get in the way of the amazing things you want to do. Would you increase our faith? Help us to reach where maybe we've just settled down and let life kind of determine how the outcomes are going to be. Instead, help us to reach. Help us to put you above and to recognize you as being so far above that we would, we would reach constantly for you. That if you do or could get tired, help us to make you tired just because of our reaching. But in the midst of all of our reaching, help us to remain that you are in control, that it is your will. and Help us to be content with the answers, whether they be ones we want to hear or not. Be enough for us. In the midst of all the noise around us, God, help us to recognize your voice and let that be the loudest one, the one we follow in the midst of it all, that we would experience the amazing as ordinary and that your kingdom would grow as a result. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www dot riversideconnect dot org